Hello everyone and thank you for attending today's webinar from Concept to Market, Overcoming the Challenges of Manufacturing and Clinical Trials, presented by Alta Sciences. I'm Ingrid Holmes, Vice President of Global ClinOps here at Alta Sciences and I'll be moderating this webinar. Our speakers today are Ben Reed, Vice President Manufacturing, Dennis DiBiagio, Vice President of BD at our Harleysville, Pennsylvania CDMO site, and Kevin Kirkaldi and Todd Jansen, who are the pharmacy leads at our Montreal and Kansas City clinical locations. Just a few technical notes before we begin. The webinar is being streamed through your computer, so there's no dial-in number. For the best audio quality, please make sure to turn your volume up. We're recording today's event and you'll be able to access it on demand within 24 hours. Time permitting, we'll follow the presentation with a Q&A session, so please submit your questions using the Q&A tab on the left side of your screen. So for our agenda today, we're going to talk briefly about Alta Sciences evolution and the services that we offer and those that we've added over the last several years. And then we're going to get into the, uh, the heart of the, the webinar, the topic here, which is our pharmacy on-demand services and individually our pharmacy GCP services and our GMP manufacturing services. Um, both teams are going to discuss uh, individual case studies, which I really believe are going to show well um, how the teams can handle complex uh, situations and complex drug product manipulation within their facilities and their own procedures. But I think more importantly, how we can share um, those activities across our organization and really provide creative solutions um, for our, our clients who often are up against some pretty um, important challenges. So a little bit about, about Alta Sciences. Um, we're a mid-sized full-service CRO. We've been around for over 25 years. And um, where we spend most of our time uh, at our business is in early stage development. We, we can take you from lead candidate all the way through proof of concept. And now with our Pennsylvania uh, team, CDMO team in place, we can also take you beyond that with our manufacturing um, expertise in that area. Our leadership team is set up a little uh, unconventionally and not traditionally um, the CRO setup that you'd normally see. We've uh, deliberately done that to ensure that all of our lines of businesses are reporting into two executives who work extremely closely together, of course. And that ensures that all of our different services are very well uh, knitted together in terms of how we provide the services, but also how we communicate the client's needs across those lines of services. Uh, it allows us to integrate new procedures, new lines of business even, into the business exceptionally quickly. And I think you're going to see a little bit more about how that's working um, very well today during uh, the presentation. We're located in North America. All of our uh, physical sites are in uh, the U.S. and Canada. And today we're going to talk about uh, three facilities in, in particular. Our two clinics, um, one which is in Kansas City and has um, just over four, 140 beds and our facility in Montreal, Canada, which um, has over 265 beds, um, all of which are dedicated to early phase uh, clinical research, and of course, both of which have pharmacy operations embedded within the facilities. Um, and then, of course, Pennsylvania, our new addition, our CDMO site, um, will be discussing their facility and their capabilities a little later on during the presentation. 
We're just over a thousand employees now, and you'll see on the next slide, we were founded in 1992. So really, um, all of our employees here have been um, either within pharma, biotech, or academia, um, and a majority have also been within competing CROs over the years. A lot of experience with our team here at Alta Sciences. So just a quick overview of Alta Sciences history. As I mentioned uh, on the last slide, Alta Sciences was founded in 1992 um, and has had uh, a pretty uh, large evolution, I'd say, over the last uh, six or seven years. Um, really since 2010, when Chris Perkin was appointed as our CEO, um, we really did put together a, a significant growth plan for Alta Sciences. And what you can see from 2013 onward um, is that there have been a number of acquisitions that have allowed us to add significantly to Alta Sciences offering and uh, the services that we can share with our sponsors. Um, our clinic in Kansas City was added in 2013. Um, they historically had been in operation for over 10 years. Uh, we acquired a large uh, preclinical uh, safety testing facility in, in Everett, Washington uh, two years ago. And then earlier this year, we acquired our CDMO site uh, in Harleysville, Pennsylvania. And I think on this side, you'll really see just a very good depiction of the services we offer um, and how they overlap. And you can see how we've purposely thought through how these services also need to be uh, intertwined and in communicating with each other in order to deliver the best service to our clients. So we really do start at uh, discovery. We have full bioanalytical testing capabilities from non-GLP all the way through to GLP. And that brings us into um, actually covering all areas of development out into post-marketing studies. But the majority of our work does happen in early phase. So we see preclinical, um, from lead candidate selection all the way uh, through supporting your program into phase three. And then the clinical work we do, uh, as I mentioned, for the most part is going to start at phase one and uh, we will end generally at phase uh, two, 2A proof of concept studies. Uh, we also provide the full range of NDA enabling studies and post-marketing uh, requirements for our sponsors. In terms of research services, we support all of those operational activities with a very strong team of project manager, managers, excuse me, PK scientists, um, biostats data management, and medical writing teams that can really help you all the way from writing your initial documents uh, and reports uh, into, all the way to filing um, for market authorization. And then I'm really excited to talk about this, and this is you know, why we're here today, our manufacturing and uh, analytical services, which we added earlier this year. Um, they can take you all the way from um, your concept, walk you through exactly what would be required to get you up and going from a drug perspective, and then they can also carry you through into um, commercialization. So this is why we're here, um, and this is, these are the services Alta Sciences currently offers. So to lead into the uh, individual presentations, just like to summarize very briefly here, um, you know, how excited I am, first of all, to be able to introduce these teams to you and also to really talk through um, our pharmacy on demand capabilities, which really have been exceptionally well rounded out by the addition of our CDMO site. 
Uh, if you go back and you think about the types of studies we run at Alta Sciences in our clinics, um, we are known for uh, conducting complex trials. And that's really meant that we've had to you know, tailor build our facilities and bring in the right staff, of course, to support those activities. And a big part of that has been expanding our pharmacy capabilities and making sure that our staff um, have all of the right procedures and personnel in place to carry out a pretty complex compounding and processing of drug that needs to be dispensed for our trials. Um, but there's always been quite a limitation there. That is really when that compounding uh, requires something that really delves into an area that we don't have, which is full GMP at our facilities. Um, we, of course, do have all of our procedures based on GMP principles. We cover regulations uh, spanning North America and Europe and even into um, South America and in Anvisa. However, we aren't a GMP facility. And now with the addition of our, our team in Pennsylvania, we're able to provide those services that can uh, carry us through a complex preparation for clinical trials as well. Um, so really, we, we look at this as an on-demand adaptive service. We should be able to provide any service you need, any process you need in terms of getting drug into the clinic as quickly as possible. So really, you know, our three pillars as we like to call them, one is speed. We want to accelerate the time from your manufactured clinic. We want to make sure we can handle you, your batch size. That's always a challenge with um, certain CDMOs where they really don't like working with smaller batch sizes. Um, we want to be able to work with you all the way from your initial concept through preclinical and then because of what we've learned there, developing into what's going to be needed when you get into humans. Um, we also need to talk to you early on about your objectives and where you want to be at the end of your program or where you think you might want to be at the end of your program so that we can start predicting um, some of those complex changes that may be may need to be made along the way. Um, and of course, we want to be able to pivot quickly. So if you need to change a route of administration or change something and adapt it along your program, we want to be there. And then once you get into early phase, um, this is where we really want to be looking at the study itself, the requirements of how we're going to handle the, the compounding, the dispensing, and also if there's going to be need to be potentially some adaptations done during the study. Um, we of course can handle a lot of that on site within our pharmacy, but when we can't and when we need full GMP on something or when we need a, a, a manufacturing step to change within that trial, such as an adaptation of your doses, let's say during a first in human trial, this is where we would bring in our colleagues in Pennsylvania and say, okay, rather than this actually taking place in our pharmacy at the location where the clinic is, is happening, let's talk about getting our CDMO site involved. They can handle the manufacture of the drug, get it to us quickly, and ensure that we don't slow down. That really is our goal here, to make sure that we're providing not only the best service, but it's actually 
keeping the development of your study and program moving forward as quickly as possible. So you can actually see that once we're into that production step or the clinical trial phase, you actually have complementary services within the GMP and the GCP sites. They both provide very similar services um, and that can span from getting the drug product ready all the way to blinding and, ch and changes in, in doses, let's say, uh, during an escalation process. But in one case, you're talking about a GCP process that's based on GMPs and in the other, it is a full GMP supported and licensed process. And then once we get past the clinic, um, now we've got experience, now we know with our CDMO folks, what you're gonna to need to get you into those next stages. How can we help you um, get into a final product selection, a final route of administration, let's say, and potentially bring you into commercialization? So what we've learned, even if we handled the uh, initial trials in a non-GMP fashion, what we've learned in the pharmacy can be very, very important information to bring over to the CDMO. So with that, I'd like to pass you over to Kevin and Todd. They're going to talk to you a little bit more about our uh, pharmacy operations within our clinics. So thank you, Ingrid, for that great introduction. So now we're going to pass to the pharmacy operations portion of our presentation. So our integrated pharmacy services include highly trained pharmacists and pharmacy technicians that have decades and cumulative experience in uh, clinical trial preparations, dispensing, compounding, and aseptic techniques. Uh, we're equipped to do uh, pretty much any and all types of uh, IP administration forms uh, from your basic solid oral dose to IV preparations in uh, sterile prep, uh, passing through uh, pretty much anything, topical, ocular, even electronic vaping studies. So if you can think of a route of administration, uh, we've probably done it multiple times. Uh, our procedures comply with the good manufacturing practices of ICH, uh, EU guidelines for sterile prep and IP management, Health Canada guidelines, US Pharmacopeia. Uh, our sites are also equipped with the negative pressure, uh, HIPAA-filtered ISO class 7 clean rooms, uh, ISO class 5 biological safety cabinets. We are also licensed uh, for controlled substances, precursors, and cannabis studies. Uh, north of the border up here in Canada, we regularly meet our clients' needs uh, concerning all sorts of Health Canada requirements like import and export licenses. Uh, if it's inside of Canada that the, the controlled drugs are transferred, we can initiate cubic to cubic transactions of these controlled substances. Uh, we can also proceed with the medicinal and recreational cannabis product studies, and that's under our cannabis drug and research licenses. Uh, without forgetting um, that we can also conduct studies with uh, precursor drugs like pseudoephedrine. Uh, Todd, I don't know if you want to add a little something about the U.S. side of things. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. So in, at the Kansas side, Open Park, Kansas, our side is a physician research model, uh, clinical research. So basically that just means the physicians have their DEA license and all controlled substance uh, procurement is done through that license. Um, so we do have a physician on site that is that has a Schedule One license. So that just means that the pharmacy is equipped to handle any Schedule One substances. Um, our two physicians do have Schedule Two through Five uh, controlled substance uh, licenses, but like I said, the one a physician is allowed to 
procure for us the Schedule One products. Um, that that was a a uh, process that involved a rigorous DEA inspection with our local uh, DEA office agents coming in and ensuring and making sure that uh, we were able to uh, handle uh, a Schedule One license. So. Uh, as Kevin said, that is something that we do at the Kansas site. A little bit different um, management of controlled substances as, as our north of the border site is, but uh, here in Kansas, we are able to handle uh, the Schedule 1 through 5 products. Yeah, and if I can add, the, the important thing is that with both of our sites, uh, different ways of working, uh, we can really um, provide anything that the sponsors need. And if one site uh, is not in a position to help, the other site can often uh, come in and save the day. So uh, we really have uh, two good teams uh, that can help us find solutions that our clients need uh, to really be able to do and complete their studies. So as Kevin spoke about uh, the two sites being able to uh, handle complex processes and procedures that are called, um, that are needed within a protocol, uh, the Kansas site was, uh, is in a pharmacy is located within a building created and specifically for that in May of 2016, we moved into a new building that has a pharmacy designed for that. So as he spoke, we are able to handle about, handle about any type of process or procedure uh, that a protocol calls for. So with that, um, my main focus uh, is is just ensuring that both sites work together. So it's a team concept. Um, both sites have this have a team in in place to receive RFPs of requests for proposals. Uh, that goes to a specific team that's then handed off to another team for uh, protocol writing, synopsis writing, that sort of thing. Whatever the, the sponsor is needing at that time, we do have teams within our sites that allow us to progress to the next stage of developing that protocol and rolling it out in a clinical uh, study. As Kevin mentioned, we do have uh, shipments that go back and forth between sites. Uh, we have in place those import-export permits. Um, Canada has the brokers in place as well as the distributors. At the, on the Kansas side, it's a little bit different, uh, different regulations, but we do have distributors in, in place to be able to import, export uh, both non-controlled and controlled substances uh, to the site if needed. At the Kansas site, we deal more with the FDA labeling requirements that, that are necessary for a clinical trial. The Montreal site, uh, Kevin and his team are well-versed in Health Canada as well as U.S. or FDA labeling requirements since they do both uh, clinical trials uh, from the European side as well as the U.S. side. Part of our team uh, process or departments do have that intense medical uh, protocol review. Multiple teams, multiple eyes on these protocols before they even get to an IRB uh, for authorization to proceed in a clinical trial. So within our, our teams, uh, at both sites, there are departments with, that, that do handle protocol review that help that sponsor get that protocol approved, get it to the IRB uh, to progress the, the clinical trial moving towards the site conduct. Both sites uh, allow for, have that ability, capability to produce pharmacy manuals. These manuals are done within the teams at the various sites multiple uh, revisions are done 
back and forth with a sponsor to to end the finalized pharmacy manual that is um, uh, protocol driven. The nice thing about the both sites is uh, the harmonization. So uh, those SOPs are harmonized to allow Kevin's team and my team to work together, to problem solve. Um, we've had multiple interactions within the last two to three months that have allowed this to happen, basically because our our processes are so similar that it's a, it's a quick phone call to the other side to be able to problem solve and get, get that solution to that issue that we're having, whether it be an import of a product, whether it be a process of, of a vaping study or a smoking study, a complex process of, of handling a nasal inflammation, we're able to meet the solutions uh, that are needed for that particular problem that we're having. We don't have uh necessarily the same profiles of uh, studies. Uh, they do a lot in Kansas, if I'm not mistaken, really FDA uh, studies. Uh, up here in Montreal, uh, we do do FDA studies also, but we do a lot of uh, EMA uh, studies, TPD and Anvisa ones uh, that don't have necessarily the same uh, rules for retention samples and labeling and things like that. So uh, our team too uh, up here has uh, really the expertise to help the sponsors uh, uh, get their protocols pushed through and approved. So both uh, sites together really are able to have a rounded out offer to uh, help the clients uh, get their, their different studies uh, ready for different countries. And finally, with, with our rigorous QA and QC departments, we're easily able to handle inspections from various regulatory uh, audits, whether that be the FDA, HC, EMA, MHRA. Uh, our teams are ready to receive those ins inspectors upon site and be able to uh, successfully carry out that audit. So Kevin and I would like to close with a couple of case studies. I'll let Kevin begin with his case study, just showing the, the, the complexity of, of our studies and the way we work together to, uh, to, get a, to have a successful clinical trial. Okay, so uh, thanks Todd. So for our first case study that we're gonna talk about today, um, it's a study that uh, the sponsor came to us uh, to our Montreal site uh, with a novel AP that uh, didn't really have a mature oral formulation yet. Uh, this was a phase one first in human study. Uh, to get you a bit more into what type of study it was, it's a double-blinded placebo-controlled trial uh, with adaptive uh, SAD, MAD, uh, so a single and multiple ascending dose uh, course, and it also included Sentinel. So kind of a complex uh, protocol. So uh, in this case, we really had to work closely with the sponsor. He came to our facilities. Uh, we had to try and develop a vehicle uh, that we could use to be able to prepare the uh, suspension of the IP that we could then use for dosing. Uh, so our pharmacy team really helped to develop the, the compounding procedures that were then used at dispensing. Uh, we had to do uh, multiple mock preparations at uh, many different dose levels uh, that were used for analysis uh, to measure the concentrations uh, of the IP to make sure that they, they stayed in an acceptable range. Uh, also determine if there was any microbiological activity in the preparations. Um, since this was a double-blinded study with the placebo, uh, we also needed um, a formulation that uh, not only looked like the test formulation, like we regularly do, but uh, we also had to have something that is, had a similar taste, texture, and also precipitated in pretty much the same way. So at first, what the sponsor proposed to us was uh, to simply buy a commercial product that was something that was used for a completely other indication. 
and it really didn't mimic at all the characteristics that we're looking for uh, with our IP suspension. So uh, we had to do a lot of different tests uh, internally, and uh, we're finally able to find an inert comestible substance uh, that was a pretty close visual match uh, with our IP in suspension. In suspension, sorry, and. Um, it actually acted pretty much as uh, the, the IP did uh, when it precipitated. It precipitated a little bit faster, but if we uh, kept it uh, shaken before administration, it, it looked pretty much identical. Uh, we also had that dispense in amber syringes uh, to further maintain the blind. Uh, we also had a problem because the, uh, the taste of the IP was a bit bitter. So you could tell the difference between the placebo's taste, which tasted nothing, and the IP. So we had to add also flavoring to this formulation, and uh, it ended up being uh, pretty much the same thing. Um, so after all these tests were completed, our pharmacist here on site that prepared the pharmacy manual uh, that described all of our procedures that were linked to uh, the, the, the formulation, to the preparation, and to uh, stability. Um, once this uh, manual was completed, it was actually uh, requested by uh, the Canadian regulatory authorities and it played a role in the study's approval, which is actually uh, really rare because they never asked for the pharmacy manual. Um, but this happened in this case because it wasn't a mature developed product. So um, after the, the, um, the regulatory authorities got, got back to us, uh, the different dose levels that were proposed, um, they were changed. But uh, luckily, our compounding procedure was uh, very adaptable and flexible. So we're able to really uh, adapt quickly and it didn't cause any delays in the study. Uh, so uh, my team here at Alta Sciences, uh, we're really proud that all our hard work helped to get the study approved and that uh, got uh, all the patients dosed uh, rapidly. So Todd. Thank you, Kevin. I'd like to just focus in on, uh, as I conclude, just how our sites work together. Uh, several years ago, we had a human abuse study that involved a European client uh, reached out to us and wondered if we could uh, handle a nasal insufflation uh, for one of, one of their products. And at the time, the Montreal site had not uh, performed as many uh, clinical studies regarding uh, human abuse studies. They reached out to our medical director here at the site at the time, and we were able to uh, converse with them and be involved from the very beginning. Uh, the site was run at our Montreal site, but with the input of myself and another pharmacist, we were involved from the beginning of the study, uh, including the SIV and, as well as the training. So uh, the Europe, European client, this particular um, study required a, a manipulation for nasal insufflation. It was a very complex, intense preparation that involved uh, manual manipulation of, of tablets. One dose, if I can go back to that period of time, I believe took almost uh, up to an hour to prepare. So there was a lot of manipulation, a lot of um, precise uh, process involved with that, ensuring that the, the correct amount of, of product was available for nasal inflation. So because of that, because of the com complexity of the method of that manipulation, we had to have trained pharmacists on both sides to be able to have that flexibility of staff coverage. So I was able to be involved in that. I was uh, traveled up there, was involved in the SIV, was involved in the training. That training was a 
was intense enough that the sponsor was on site to make sure that we did have the correct amount of sample prepared to meet the specifications that were needed for that method to be uh, complete for a subject dosing. So just to end and kind of tie things up, as I mentioned at the very beginning of our discussion, we are um, a, a, a two sites separated by mileage only um, by two different countries. We have uh, commonality in our SOPs, commonality in our processes, commonalities in our procedures that allow us to, to bring forth a uniform front to sponsors that come to us. As Kevin mentioned, and we've mentioned, both of us mentioned before, if a sponsor comes to us and they need a particular agent to go across the border or it needs to be, uh, they need uh, the Montreal input for Kansas delivery of the, of the clinical trial, that's fine, we're one company, but we work together as a, as a team to be able to produce a, a clinical trial with clean da data, uh, with integrity, and with, uh, with, with a, a product that we can be proud of. So at this time, I'd like to turn the discussion over to our CDMO team, Ben and Dennis. Ben and Dennis. All right. Thank you, Kevin and Todd. Uh, this is Ben and Dennis from the Philadelphia site here. Uh, we're gonna take a few minutes to discuss our manufacturing and analytical operations. So here just Northeast of Philadelphia, we have a 30,000 square foot facility. In this facility, what we really like to say we do is simplify contract services for our clients. Uh, we do that by proof of concept, R&D, clinical and commercial manufacturing. We have a lot of different dosage capabilities that we'll focus on in the next few slides. An overview of our facility, it's about 9,500 square feet of warehouse, 3,300 square feet of a GMP manufacturing area. We have a second GMP manufacturing area, that's an ISO 7, ISO 8, it's about 2,500 square feet. That area is capable of handling potent compounds also. We have a formulations lab and then we finish off with an analytical laboratory. We've had a lot of experience in this space, Dennis, and, and I would say comfortably, we've manufactured or tested almost every available pharmaceutical dosage form. Uh, right, Ben, the, um, the facility definitely lends itself very well to uh, clients, both uh, uh, new clients and existing clients to uh, come to us for uh, multiple uh, types of projects. Uh, the key to every project is to have a, a good quotation in place that sort of captures um, the client's uh, request for proposal if they have that, or if they don't have a request for proposal, we'll work with them to develop what the objectives are for that particular project. Um, the quotations are uh, all laid out in a, a manner to sort of flow from uh, materials coming in, methods, analytical methods that need to be uh, developed, transferred, and then also the manufacturing part that would lay out if there's uh, engineering batches, uh, feasibility work, and then ultimately the clinical supply batches, uh, followed by quality assurance, which is uh, also a critical part to sort of oversee both those functions. Yeah, that's a great point. We really do plan for success. It really is a roadmap um, for our clients when, when we present that original quote to them, and it really walks them through all areas of their project. Yeah, and, and a lot of times uh, we spend a fair amount of time to get a quotation in place uh, for that purpose, just to have a, a good, a good um, plan uh, going into uh, the kickoff meeting. And that's uh, ultimately, uh, once you get a quote signed, uh, then you have a kickoff meeting to review the whole project, uh, get a timeline, a timeline involved, and uh, start working from that. Uh, and also uh, one other important function is to build flexibility into that quotation that uh, allows for the plan to change but not be a, uh, a showstopper for, for the project. That's true, that's a good point. 
So some of the key product optimization capabilities that we've put here um, at Alta Sciences Philadelphia, um, the first one that we like to talk about is a liquid filled capsule. Um, in this is the two-piece gelatin or HBMC capsule uh, that we can do a semi-solid, hot melt, or liquid fill. Some of the real optimization parts of this and how we can plan for success with our clients is this gets us up into the first and human capability very quickly. Uh, minimal development requirements are needed for this. You can uh, simply melt down some high molecular pegs um, and suspend your API in there to get into the first and human trials. Um, there are also some very interesting, unique um, excipients that we can use to improve solubility. Um, we can target those excipients for the oral solid dose. And finally, it presents itself with abuse deterrent potential uh, with obviously some other targeted excipients. Right, and, and just like the uh, liquid fill capsules, nanomilling is a, another uh, niche type of a process that we have really perfected here at Alta. And uh, it not only is it a niche process, but it's also uh, a process that lends itself for some of the bioavailability issues that you uh, see with many of the APIs now that would uh, give the clients another option for um, getting their, their drug into a dosage form that will get them into a clinic quickly. Um, and the nano milling certainly does present that. It, it is a, a very unique process. You can uh, uh, mill your API down to what? Uh, uh, yeah, you know, down 20, 20 nanometers. Yeah. Um, and it is, uh, we do have ways of doing it in the formulations lab to give us a proof of concept that would mimic uh, going on to the more complex uh, equipment that often you need. And this also works in the high potent area, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. a great point. I think our case study that we'll discuss at the end will kind of highlight how we're able to utilize that at Alta Sciences here. And then a lot of times the clients use that process to, to help them as they're thinking through uh, long-term if there's any patents that would be necessary or applied to the product um, as, they, as they move down the clinical path. So another area, another niche area that we like to optimize our capabilities for our clients would be potent handling. Um, so we've set up a, a room and, and we've set up systems here um, to control air flows um, for the facility and then systems to protect the employees also so that we're able to, to handle high potent manufacturing. Um, we have various size isolators. Uh, we also design processes around closed systems if the process uh, leads that way. Uh, and what we do is we like to look at it as a case-by-case -case study uh, for each of our clients to see the optimal way of handling their API. So this room also doubles as our grade C manufacturing room. Grade C is a higher classification of room for those products that need that sort of material handling. In this, in this room, we do a lot of terminally sterilized products for our clients, um, a lot of those RIVs. Uh, this type of manufacturing is actually preferred by the FDA. Uh, if your API can withstand sterilization, it kind of guarantees that, you, that that product is going to be suitable for injections. Um, it also is a client preferred way of manufacturing because the cost uh, to, to create uh, a product in a grade C room that's terminally sterilized afterward is less than half most likely of the cost um, if you have to go straight aseptic processing. So, you know, once we uh, get the project signed and we start moving forward, there are some critical uh, paths that we follow. Uh, such as getting a Gantt chart. And this is done uh, with the client's input, of course, and uh, it's a starting point that we know will change as we go along, but it does give everybody uh, transparency as far as uh, how the project's going. This evolves into having um, weekly, uh, bi-weekly meetings, uh, certainly initially to uh, capture all the critical uh, steps that are needed to get the project started. 
we do try to get the, the job started as quickly as possible upon approval of the quotation and uh, then carry that through the Gantt chart uh, through the course of the project. Um, API is typically one of the uh, key points that you have to keep your uh, finger on as far as uh, deliverables. Uh, it's always uh, one of the, the main uh, contributing factors for uh, delay of projects uh, that from a method standpoint or from a manufacturing standpoint. Um, once we get that Gantt chart uh, in place, it sort of helps the, the whole program. It might be four weeks, could be you know, two months, whatever it might be, and we keep, keep up to date on that as the project proceeds. Certainly, and the next step then in the Gantt chart that we take a close look at um, would be the method transfer qualification um, and potentially validation of methods in our analytical lab for our clients. Um, and the thing that we like to keep keen on this is, uh, first we check out the compatibility of the equipment. If the methods are qualified somewhere else, we wanna make sure we have like-for-like -like equipment if we're gonna transfer them in. If we don't, it's not an issue. It just means that instead of a transfer, it may be a qualification. Um, we also like to take a look at the robustness of work that's done prior to Alta Sciences. Um, obviously, the more robust, uh, the, the, the easier the method, the higher chance of success we will have at our first shot here at Alta Sciences and then therefore being able to keep up with the timeline for our client. And then finally, um, as we get into the nitty gritty of it and the, as projects progress, uh, methods need to go from qualification to validation. So that's the possibility of further developments. A lot of times methods may be suitable for qualification, uh, suitable for first in human phase one, phase two, and then as the product progresses to phase three and commercial, uh, you look at making a, the method a little bit more robust um, and, and then finally validating the method. And as you move into the manufacturing area, uh, the whole robustness sort of centers around your capabilities from an equipment standpoint. Uh, you like to have all the equipment here when the project starts, but it, we do uh, make a point of identifying equipment. If we need to get equipment, we will certainly go out and get it um, as part of the quote that would be built into that. And it would allow us to scale up from um, a small batch that's for phase one, phase two, all the way up through commercial. Uh, we do have a lot of equipment here at Alta that allows us to do that um, from the liquid fill capsules, powder blending. Um, Certain, all the different sizes of nano mills that we mills. have. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's a big part too, that it allows you to keep the process going um, with the like equipment. Um, the timeline uh, from the manufacturing standpoint is, is again, very important uh, to get into the schedule. Uh, we, we don't like having projects that are way uh, way far out as far as the uh, the time to go to manufacturing but it, it is a realistic timeline that we like to present to the clients and work with them so it meets the bottom line is you want to meet their uh, their target date for delivery to the clinic that's exactly right so we decided to highlight one of the case studies that we've had here dennis this is 2017 2017 yeah okay um and, and honestly it's, it's probably one of our favorite clients that we've ever had through the door here at, at alta um so he came to us he came to you the first week of August, was it? First week of August, yeah. It was sort of a, a call out of the blue. Um, right. And he needed a, what do you say? He needed something that was uh, impossible to do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So first week of August, he came to us with an API, uh, no formulation work. He, know, he knew that he needed to nano-size it. And then he, the second thing and the only other thing I think that he knew was that he needed it in the clinic the first week of October. Right, and that was August. That was, that was yeah, August. Yeah. First week of August to, to first week of October. So essentially eight weeks. Um, and if you think about all the activities that have to be performed in these eight weeks, it's a pretty daunting task. Um, so to lay it out, and Dennis, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, your first steps is to come up with, with different formulations. Right. To stress the molecule, stress the formulation. So I believe we came up with five formulations 
in our formulations lab. And we were able to use what Dennis mentioned earlier is the formulation size equipment for nano milling. Uh, we came up with these five and then we put them all in accelerated stability. During the same time, the lab then got their initial sample so they could start working on method work um, for assay, for impurities. Um, so two weeks out, I think we pulled samples. We looked at all five different products. I think we chose three to continue two more weeks and then we chose the lead candidate. So in the background, um, by able to actually go from five to three, it lined up the load for the lab. And then when they were able to finally choose the final formulation, now they're able to write their protocols um, and perform the method qualification work that's needed for GMP supply. Yeah, and if you recall, I mean, that, that initial study was really important, but the client also wanted us to be able to produce this uh, down the road for future studies once they sort of honed in on the right uh, dose that they were working with, the, the potency of it. So uh, we were able to sort of foresee that and, and provide sort of a streamlined approach that worked out. It was almost a home run. That's a really yeah. good point because it wasn't, he wasn't just interested in first the human trials. He was also interested in proof of concept. Yeah. Um, so really getting that robust formulation. Um, so in the meantime, the analytical group is working on all the methods. The manufacturing group now is outsourcing the proper equipment that may or may not be needed in manufacturing. Um, and I think we needed one or two pieces of equipment, nothing major, but we were able to bring them in-house quickly in August. Um, we perform all the, the um, design, installation, operational, and um, performance qualifications of the equipment in-house. Right. Um, and we were ready to be up and running the beginning of September. And we did the uh, labeling through that as well, correct? That's correct. We did labeling on that as well. And so we were able to take it from, you know, right through to the clinic and, and ship it to the sites. It was a, hand, a handful of sites that we shipped to across the country, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and it was um, it was also a temperature controlled situation. Not, the bulk was. The bulk was. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. The, this this product had a lot of yeah, a lot, lot of, of interesting things. Yeah, it wasn't a slam dunk, and it, it came together. But the client had he knew what he wanted. Uh, he had a lot of input. He helped with uh, uh, sort of uh, approving things quickly, uh, allowing us not to be stalled in any of these steps from analytical to manufacturing. So yeah. So I think we manufactured the GMP batches maybe second week of, of September. Um, and the lab was able to uh, perform all the analytical GMP testing of it. QA was able to release it. So we hit his timeline. I would say it was a slam dunk from that perspective. He was extremely happy. Yeah. Um, but it definitely was a challenging um, task that he brought us. Um, one that I would say we don't really want to do again if we don't have to. <laughs> um, right. But, but if our client needs it, we're more than happy to do it for yeah, them. And the other thing that was good too, the client, I guess he had worked other places where he couldn't uh, necessarily be on site or necessarily uh, in, the, in the rooms while the process was going on. But we were able to uh, allow him to be here. Uh, he sort of respected the, the process, the uh, number of operators and rooms and so on. Uh, but he was on site for all this. It was a very high profile project for them, of course, and uh, he became very involved with it. So Yeah, and continued success of this product is his first the human trials went very well. So it was able to progress in the next three months and then the next six months to make all the way up to phase two clinicals supplies for him. And I think we were able to source multiple different um, pieces of equipment um, to be able to keep at his scale that he required. Yeah, a good story. Yeah, yeah that, was, that, was, that was a fun story for us back in, in 2017. And we still work with that client today. Um, with that client and then actually that individual who's who's moved to different um, companies but he, he returns to, um, to Alta Sciences. So uh, you might be asking yourself why choose Alta Sciences? Well uh, first of all our uh, clinical pharmacy and manufacturing teams uh, we have a full offer of services that are needed really to get your molecule from concept to market and we can do this quickly and effectively. 
Um, being one company, uh, all of our scientific knowledge and expertise can really flow uh, easily from one team to another. So uh, by working as one unit, we can really help streamline all the different steps uh, that, we, that you can think of, either from manufacturing uh, to the preclinical part and all of the phase one to three of the clinical trials. Um, we can even help you with the commercial dose formulation development. Um, we have adaptive uh, GMP manufacturing for early development. Uh, we also have a real-time dose reformulation and a batch validation for compounding and manufacturing. Having access to all specialized resources under one big umbrella in the Alta Science family can really accelerate your timelines. And we all know that in drug development, time is of the essence and lots of money can be lost if there's too many delays. Uh, our on-demand manufacturing and clinical pharmacy services uh, make this process as easy and seamless as possible to really help you achieve your goals. So I'd just like to take a few minutes here to talk about a case study that recently occurred with our Kansas site and our CDMO uh, team in Philly. Had a sponsor give us a call uh, for current studies they're working with us uh, for a potential uh, dose that currently is not in the uh, protocol, but uh, a potential for a, a dose that may be needed to, to, to reach that maximum therapeutic dose. Uh, they reached out to us. This product is a, a, a formulation of the capsule. And just because of our bandwidth here at our pharmacy, um, we weren't able to provide such a large amount of capsules uh, to be formed in, under a GMP uh, condition. So we reached out. It was a, within a 24-hour period, reached out to the Philly team. Uh, we worked together, we got a call set up with a sponsor, uh, provided our, our platform with what, what is needed. And uh, we're currently, this is under discussion, but it's a, it was a, what I just wanna re reiterate here is the, the idea that we're working together as a company, we're presenting a uniform front to the sponsor. So within a matter of 24 hours, we reached out to the sponsor. We had a, 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 a process for, to present to the team. Uh, that uh, just because of, due to the amount of, of capsules needed, the, the CDMO team was able to um, uh, get a plan together. This is currently under talk, so this is a case study that, that's actually in the works, it's live. Um, we're still in talks with the sponsor, but it is nice that we're able to quickly reach out to one another, be able to help one another and problem solve and, and get a solution, a workable solution to the sponsor. So the, the clinical trial can be successful, and, and not have any uh, delays for those milestones that are needed to, uh, to get their, their product off onto market and onto the next phase of development. Okay, thank you everyone. We'll now take some questions from our viewers. Please enter your questions using the Q&A tab on the left side of your screen. Our first question is, how do you handle dose changes or potential formulations within a trial? The three main points that we can we need to focus on that. The first one, beginning with communication. We have to have good communication with the sponsor, uh, good communication with our CDMO group. Um, and that's a nice thing. It's, it's a simple uh, email or, or phone conversation with uh, our CDMO team in, in Philly. We get a plan. Uh, ready to go. We present that to the client and uh, we move forward to the next step. Once that communication has been established and we've got a plan, uh, 
you see is we just we got to develop that batch method, the batch method of development. So uh, that has to be um, in, initiated, originated, and uh, once that is complete, that of course has to go for sponsor approval, IRB approval, all of the other regulatory agencies that are involved. And then lastly, uh, just as important as the first two, those samples, whether it be a uh, oral suspension, sterile product, uh, oral solid oral dosage form, those samples we send for analysis. So whether it be to uh, uh, an outside vendor or back to the sponsor, those samples need to analyze just to make sure that if it's a sterile product that it's remained sterile. Uh, we need to check milligram, the concentration strength, other other areas of of analysis that need to be performed prior to uh, going into the, the dosing formulation and making sure that it's all within the limits of, of, the, of the required batch method that, that was developed. Ben and Dennis, I'll let you take it from here and let you speak about your side uh, for uh, this question that you presented. Okay, yeah, thanks. Um, on, on this side with the, uh, in the GMP suites, we typically uh, work to get a cleaning method in place um, that, that sort of allows us a lot of flexibility uh, to work on a real-time basis with any changes. Uh, we do try to build in uh, the flexibility of uh, multiple doses if, if we can do that right up front so that uh, we do have maybe at our disposal uh, some formulations that have already been uh, prepared uh, in anticipation of any changes, knowing what the max and min doses uh, may be prior to the start of the study. And once we get the doses made, our quality group would be in a position to release them in a timely fashion to get them to the clinic. Okay, thank you. When should you engage the Alta Sciences team for early planning and engagement? I can take that one. Um, when, again, when we're, the earlier we can be brought into the, um, the program, the better. Uh, to be able to anticipate the needs of the clients always uh, gives us the advantage uh, to work with with the, uh, the clinical folks on the, on the front end of it. Um, so if we do get that uh, that call to, to make some dosages on a larger scale, we'd be prepared to do it, um, be that master files or uh, like I mentioned before, the cleaning, cleaning process, that would be um, a big advantage uh, from our part. From the pharmacy side, I can I can agree with the with the assessment there. It's we want to do things the right way and make sure that the sponsor is is, is meeting the milestones, but done in a in a way that uh, to ensure that the safety uh, uh, of of subjects is not uh, compromised. Uh, so speed speed is something that that uh, at all the sciences we we pride ourselves on, but it's also the quality of work we do. So the earlier we get engaged, the better. And that's the nice thing working with uh, closely within our group is. I can call Dennis or Ben and we can get, get things uh, going with solutions and, and finding a way to, to expedite uh, the, the, um, the, the process and the procedure needed within the uh, protocol. Great. Um, can you source comparator drugs? Uh, I'll take this one. Uh, yes, we can, and it's actually a service that we provide uh, regularly and often for our clients. Uh, we source reference drugs uh, normally from our approved local licensed pharmacies. Uh, in some cases, uh, reference drugs are not always available to our regular vendors. 
So we can also uh, go into discussions with local manufacturers uh, to source the drug. Uh, I have in mind a, a recent DDI study that um, was only sold in Canada through uh, specialty pharmacy services. So uh, we with the sponsor and the manufacturer had communications and they permitted us to purchase uh, that drug and uh, the study was, uh, was a go. What are your capabilities on blinding for study drug um, or reference IP? Uh, so depending on the protocol, uh, different blinding solutions can be provided. A bit like in my first case uh, example, uh, we can use like a matching placebo. Uh, we also have over encapsulation that can be done for double blind studies that we usually use when the, the IPs uh, like for oral doses uh, really don't look the same at all or when there's dose escalating that require multiple tablets and we don't want that to be evident. Um, also the example of uh, amber dosing syringes uh, that we sometimes use for uh, liquid doses. And uh, sometimes for completely different IP administration routes, uh, a double dummy method can also be used. Can your sites perform over encapsulation? So like I just mentioned, uh, it is something that we do for, for blinding studies. Um, we have a specific SOP that covers like really most of our over encapsulation needs uh, for almost all of the studies that we use this. Uh, sometimes a pharmacy manual is also needed to address uh, certain protocol specific needs. Uh, like one that we did um, where the IP was a powder and it was uh, the quantity was really uh, dose adjusted. So we had to weigh each capsule with the powder and individualize each dose. So yes, we can do all sorts of over-encapsulation uh, protocols. Uh, a question here about scheduled products. Uh, can we handle Schedule 1 products as well as cannabis? Both sites, the Montreal and Kansas site, are able to handle Schedule 1 products as well as cannabis. I believe your uh, Montreal site currently is, is uh, working on cannabis products in different formulations. So um, we can handle uh, both of these uh, products that, that, that come to us uh, in a clinical trial. Yeah, you're right. We regularly do uh, cannabis studies or either vaping or oral oils and uh, all different types. So yeah, we do that uh, often enough up here. Do we have ways to develop and manipulate abuse deterrent products? Uh, Todd, I think you've had experience with that, with the study that happened a bit before I joined the, the Alta Sciences team. Yes, Kevin. So this is a great question. It, it really hits to where we feel like we specialize in, in this type of uh, clinical trial uh, where, where we have to manipulate products uh, for human abuse liability studies. So if a sponsor doesn't have a validated method uh, to manipulate their product, uh, we work closely with the vendor uh, to ensure that that method meets the specs set forth in the FDA guidance on abuse deterrent formulations of, of the solid oral dosage forms, uh, specifically about opioids here. So we have worked uh, in the past with uh, sponsors who have a validated method. Either way, uh, we just want to be sure that, that those samples before starting the protocol uh, clinical trial are met. Uh, so there are many times where we have to send in samples to the sponsor to have assay to make sure that they meet the specs set forth in that guidance by the FDA. So uh, th this hits us right where we're at as far as a, 
as a site, clinical pharmacology unit. We, this is something we specialize in and we feel very comfortable with. How do you anticipate and handle products to eliminate cross-contamination? Uh, cross-contamination is, is something we don't want. So it, it's part of our, it's a vital step used in our line clearance uh, for each dose that's prepared at our uh, clinical pharmacology units, both here in Kansas and in Montreal. So it's a, it's a key step that we, we prevent in our line clearance. And we make sure that that's part of our, each batch that's prepared. We make sure that it's, it's, it's there and it's performed. And I think I'll, I'll go ahead and let Dennis and, and uh, Ben speak of that as well. I think they had something else to add on the previous question. Uh, yeah, we, we do similar, like we had mentioned up there in the earlier question when we're trying to develop the multiple formulations, having a cleaning method in place here is uh, critical. And, and that's the, the key way of uh, preventing uh, contamination, uh, both um, well, primarily when you're finished with the product, moving on to the next product. Uh, all the products are made in a GMP uh, manufacturing suite. Uh, with the right airflows um, to create a, an environment that doesn't allow the API to escape into adjoining rooms. Um, and, and Ben, we, we've done that for everything. That's a key piece to being in, in the GMP area, uh, having a cleaning method, and it goes down to quite low limits uh, for the, for the uh, absence of testing that we do. Yeah, certainly. It's, it's definitely something our clients are looking for and it's something that we need for the GMPs. Um, so it, it is a nice thing to be able to offer um, across all sites here at Alta, um, and even with the encapsulation, um, and, and that's with the Schedule One with cannabis, uh, we can handle everything uh, with that here also at at, at Philadelphia. Uh, schedules One through Five in analytical and manufacturing, uh, and over encapsulation uh, if, if the quantities get higher. Then, right, and and that's been a, a key piece with the cannabis uh, being something relatively uh, new uh, coming into our facility. Um, it's something that you have to keep control over both from a DEA standpoint and from, you know, the contamination that we're talking about here. So certainly we have a few clients in that space currently. Yeah. And the one thing that a lot of clients look for is the, the assurance that when they come in, the facility is clean. Uh, so they don't find it unusual that we'd have to clean after their products made um, going forward. So. Do you go beyond early development or commercialization? Yeah, great question, and we definitely do. We, we like getting involved early on with our clients, if at all possible. Um, but we've taken on clients, you know, that are already at the commercial stage and they're looking for either a secondary manufacturer or potentially becoming a lead manufacturer. Uh, so we handle all stages of development formulation, all stages of clinical, um, and then we have the right equipment in to then go into commercialization for our clients. And a, a kind of general uh, comment here or question, how do you streamline the process in early development? Uh, again, a very good question. I mean, as we're working with some of these uh, startup companies, uh, the, the last thing that they're thinking of is commercialization. Uh, so on the front end of it, when we're uh, laying out the program, it's, it's critical to get into the phase one um, and, and have successful formulations that are uh, flexible. So I guess the, the, the biggest thing to keep in mind would be uh, building in flexibility to the program and, and allowing you to uh, change dosages like we were talking about earlier. Uh, also, the, 
size of the studies, uh, anticipating that, being able to uh, make larger batches if, as, as the program goes into late phase one and phase two. Okay, well, thank you again for attending today's event and for submitting so many great questions. And thanks again to all of our speakers. You guys uh, really did a great presentation. Thank you. Uh, thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. As a reminder, this webinar will be available within 24 hours by clicking on the same audience link that was sent to you earlier. Thanks again for joining, and we look forward to speaking with you at future events.